Chapter 18 of The Way of the Wind by Zoe Anderson Norris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Chapter 18 But the moons waxed and waned, and the months lapsed into years, and Seth grew hopeless, more and more hopeless, so hopeless that at last he began to lose faith in the magic city and to fear for the realization of his fantastic will-o'-the-wisp of a beautiful house. Would the wise men never come out of the east to buy up his land and build that magnificent city of his dreams at the forks of the river, where the cyclones never came, so that he could build his beautiful house for Celia? Or would they always stop just short of it? Already that little town on the edge of the state called Kansas City because it was in Missouri, had boomed itself into a city and, being just outside the cyclone belt, had not been blown away. In spite of the fact that it had been set high on a hill, it had not been blown away. The wise men had built that town. Also there was another town they had built within the belt, which promised to thrive, a town where the people had so arranged it that the coming of a cyclone could be telegraphed to them where signs like this were posted, A cyclone due at three o'clock, and they had ample time to shut up shop and school and prepare for it, going down into their cyclone cellars, shutting fast the doors, and staying there until it was over. True, a cyclone or two had grazed this town. One had even taken off a wing. But, though a trifle disabled by each, it had continued to thrive, showing such evident and robust signs of life and strength that the cyclones, presently giving up in despair of making a wreck of it, had gone on by as Seth had said they would do once they found their master. Then this town had been by way of premium for stanchness and courage made the capital of this state of tornadoes and whirlwinds. But this was as far as it went, or seemed to intend to go, Further south and west, an attempt or two had been made to plant towns, but their cellars had not been dug deep enough, or their foundations had not been sufficiently firm, or the cyclones had not yet become reconciled to the sight of them. At any rate, the cyclones had come along and swept them away without a word of warning, and they had not been heard of since, neither cyclone nor town. And so, altogether, Seth lost heart and came to the conclusion that his magic city, if it was ever to be built, would be built after his time, and he would never have the happiness of gazing upon it. The hope of seeing it was all that had kept him in the West. Now that he had lost it, an uncontrollable longing came over him to go back home, to see the wife who had deserted him, throw himself at her feet and beg her forgiveness for his madness which had resulted in their separation. From dreaming dreams of the magic city he took to dreaming dreams of her. It was years since he had seen her, but the absent, like the dead, remain unchanged to us. To him she was the same as when last he saw her. How beautiful she had been with her great blue eyes and her hair the color of Charlie's, tawny like sunshine and right, too, in her scorn of his visions. 
and how foolish he had been to dream of training the wind-blown west into a fit place for human beings to inhabit or for great cities to be built it would take a stronger hand than his to do that he had come to believe it would take the hand of god he had tried to find a tree that would grow so swiftly that the wind could have no effect upon it he had planted slim switches of one kind after another and the wind had blown each to leaflessness until now there stood a slim row of cottonwoods that he had tried as a last resort but the same thing would happen to them perhaps he had lost faith in trees but he would not say yet that he had lost faith in god he watched the same train trailing so far away as to seem a toy train and longed as she had done to take it and go back home at last he understood the look in her eyes as she watched it and the thoughts that enthralled her sometimes when we strive for a thing and set our hearts on it it holds itself aloof from us when we cease to strive it comes but that is among the many strange ways of providence which seems to rule us blindly but which is not so blind perhaps after all as it seems another of its ways most incomprehensible is to bring us what we have longed for a little too late sometimes but this is the story of seth and this is the way of its happening it was early in a mild and beautiful spring when the corn was young it stood shoulder high lusty and strong and green what with the unwanted mildness of the weather and the absence of the usual storms and the proneness of the clouds to deposit themselves about in gentle showers the crop promised fair to rival any crop that seth had ever raised on the kansas prairies he hoed and toiled and smiled and listened to the rustling of the corn for he had made up his mind when the harvest was at an end he would sell the crop and the place for what it would bring and go back home he would go back to his wife and home the rustling of the corn was music in his ears it was more it was like the glad hand of young love for with the crop so fine and the harvest so rich when he went back home to her he would not go empty-handed and unwelcome he was going back once more to his kentucky home no hills seemed so green as those kentucky hills and no skies so blue as those skies that vaulted above the green green hills of his native land it had been longer than he cared to count since he had seen the blue grass waving about in the wind there not such wind as swept the kansas prairies but gentle zephyrs almost breathless that rustled softly and musically through the little blades of grass just as the wind was rustling through the stalks now as he walked slowly with the heavy stride of the clumsy farmer hoeing the corn and he had not heard the whippoorwill nor sat under the shade of the wide-spreading oaks nor listened to the soft southern talk of his and her people not since he had come to kansas with those other foolish folk to brave the dangers of the strange new country in the search of homes homes he could point out the graves of some of them here and there about the vastness of the level prairies 
though more often he wandered across the vast level wastes looking for the places where they should be and found them not because of the buffaloes that had long ago trampled out the shape of them or because of the corn that had been planted in furrows above their mounds the serried ranks through which the winds sang requiems chanting whispering moaning and sighing in the balmy springtime and through the heat of the long summer days until in the chill of autumn the farmers cut the stalks and stacked them evenly leaving no dangling leaves to sigh through nor tassels to flout now that he had made up his mind the roughness of his life bore in upon him he thought with celia that it would be good to live again in a land where people led soft easy lives she was not to be blamed she was right with that strange animal instinct which leads some women blindly to the truth and he had wasted the best years of his life and all of the boys in this terrible land of whirlwinds and coyotes and wide thirsty plains stretching to meet the blazing skies of noonday or the star-gemmed dome of the purple night for the plains in some strange and mysterious way took vengeance upon many of those who dared upturn with hoe and plough the fresh new malarial soil inserting germs of disease and death which soon stretched them beneath some lives must invariably be sacrificed to the upbuilding of any new country but why so many and sadder still minds had been sacrificed the asylums such as they were were filled with those whose minds in the ghastly loneliness of the desert had been torn and turned and twisted by the incessant whirl and sure and swish and force of the pitiless winds he himself loved the wind but there were times when he was afraid of it when it got in his brain and whirled and caused him to see things in strange lights and weird things fantastically colored kaleidoscopic and upside down when the day's work was done he sat outside the dugout talking sometimes to himself sometimes to cyclona telling of how when the harvest was over and gathered he would go back home his plan must succeed he sighed to himself sometimes sometimes to cyclona who would sit listening her great eyes on the limit of the horizon deep dark troubled as she brooded upon what her life would be when he was gone and as he talked he panted in the deep earnestness of his insistence that the crops must succeed other plans had failed but not this not this it must not resolutely he put away from him all thought of failure it must succeed he must go home he must ease this longing for the sight of celia and her people which had come to him of late to stay with him through seed time and harvest through the early spring when the corn was young and later when it rose to heights unheard of and later still through those bitter days of grasshoppers and chinch bugs and hot winds and other blightful things that haunt the kansas cornfield to their ruin he must go home end of chapter eighteen recording by roger moline